Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Usually, like you said, I, I'm upstairs with, with these guys uh, doing those kinds of things, dunking on baskets and making tie-dye and gaga ball and eating all the cereal we can. And um, it's getting kind of full up there, but we want to encourage you, anytime you want to come by and just kind of stand in the back of the room and do this, you're more than welcome. Um, if you get hit with a ball, that's just, that's on you. I'm just saying. There are a lot of things happening up there. Um, but I, I'm excited to be here with you, uh, and Ethan and I are partnering for the next couple weeks uh, to bring you a, a series while Galen is on vacation called Hills and Valleys. Today I get the hills, but before I get into the sermon, I did want to just give you a moment, because I get to talk about my amazing people here for a minute, because sometimes you don't always see the great things that, that are happening in the youth group. I can tell you that there are some amazing students that have been kind of inducted into our group this year. I Just a shout out to Hunter and the children's ministry for bringing us all these amazing sixth graders who bring so much energy into the room, right? They're like, yeah, that's us. You know us. That's right. Um, they bring so much to the group, and we are excited about the, the increasingly large number of students that he's funneling our way. So we are just so grateful for all of you who work in children's and who shape and form them to, to bring them to us. Um, and then shout out again to, uh, also to Ethan. Uh, we have students who are coming to our ministry who have just come through rec. Their parents are connected that way, and actually they kind of bypassed the front door, went around the side to the rec door, and then up to the youth room, which is great. We, any students that come, we are, however they got there, we're excited. And the cool thing is, and I don't know if you realize how unique and well-designed these ministries are that work well together. Sometimes churches, kind of people are fighting for turf, but children's and rec and youth, they all work together to reach students for Christ. And that is a really, really unique and cool thing that as a church, I mean, you just need to be applauded for the ways that you've worked that out and the ways you continue to support each one of those ministries and make them just fantastic. It's an honor and privilege to be part of that group of people. Now, what's happening with the students is they are finding their closest friends here. And that's what we really want. We want them to find friends that are going to last a lifetime. Because friendships that are found with God in the middle, they just last longer. There's more there. They're just deeper and there's more substance. Uh, they're sharing some of their most difficult moments, the things that they're walking through. They're revealing and sharing those with each other. And they're also sharing their best victories, the things that God is doing and shaping in their lives. They're sharing them without hesitation. This is what we hope, our best hope for youth ministry. And they're serving all over the place too. If you have a child in our, in our church, probably one of these teens has been ministering to them somewhere along the way. Whether they're in children's or at day camp or at rec, our students are serving all over the place. In tech, you saw Easter right here helping in worship. They're, this place is filthy with teenagers. They're everywhere. They're serving and they're involved in the life of the church, and that's what we want. We don't want them to just be involved in youth ministry. We want them to be interwoven into the body, right? We want them to be connecting with, with adults who know what God is like, because most of Christianity is caught, not taught, right? So we are grateful to you for rubbing alongside them with your shoulders and, and talking to them and just being with them and being the hands and feet of God wherever it is you run into them. But today, I want to talk to you about mountaintops. 
Now, if you've ever been on the top of a mountain, you know that there are particular things that are wonderful and beautiful and, and things that there's are memories, kind of core memories that you find at the top of a mountain. But I, I want to talk to you specifically about what we describe as a mountaintop moment, right? And that's kind of a Christian term. It's kind of a, church, a churchy term, a mountaintop moment. I, I was trying to kind of define it, but Henry Nouwen did it a lot better than me. He, sa- he describes it this way. At some moments, we experience complete unity within us and around us. This may happen when we stand on a mountaintop and are captivated by the view. It may happen when we witness the birth of a child or the death of a friend. It may happen when we have an intimate conversation or a family meal. It may happen in church, during a service, or in a quiet room during prayer. But wherever and however it happens, we say to ourselves, this is it. Everything fits. All I ever hoped for is here. This is the experience that Peter and James and John had at the top of Mount Tabor when they saw the aspect of Jesus' face change and his clothing become sparkling white. They wanted that moment to last forever. These moments, uh, this is the experience of the fullness of time. These moments are given to us so that we can remember them when God seems far away and everything appears empty and useless. These experiences are true moments of grace. This is what I mean when I'm talking about and describing a mountaintop moment, a moment when you can understand all that God has been doing to get you here. All the things that you had to go through that you navigated, all the things that you didn't understand, all the ways you're like, what are you doing, Lord? This is not the plan. You can look back down the mountain and see, okay, I, being here, I understand what it was all about. I understand even more clearly who you are. I get it. Now, I do want to make sure that we don't think that that happens every other day. These are things that happen over a course of a lifetime several times. In fact, if you read the founders of the faith, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they lived longer than we do, and they have like four be careful that you don't expect this to happen tomorrow. That you don't look at someone else's Instagram post or, or whatever and see, man, this guy, he's, he's on mountaintops every day. Look, he's posting about it. I can read about it. It doesn't work that way. Mountaintops are singular experiences, and they come at great cost. But I want to tell you the story of a particular mountaintop experience to kind of set the stage for, for today. This is in 2 Kings. Now, this is a long piece of scripture, but I've, I've become aware that it's important to tell the whole story because not everyone knows the story. This is a time back in Israel's history when the nation of Israel had actually split into two. There's Israel and Judah. And each one has its own set of kings, and some of them are good and some of them are bad. This is a history in the, the nation of Israel's time that a bad king has come in. His name is Ahab, and he's married to, you'll recognize this name, Jezebel. Not a nice lady. In fact, she's trying to kill all the prophets of God because she is in favor of the prophets of Baal. And uh, along with Baal comes Asherah, right? Now, I would describe, we would describe Baal as kind of the, the god of, I don't know, hedonism. Everything that, like physical pleasure, everything that's like, you know, that, that the world would say, these are things that, that, anything that makes you feel good, that is what Baal and Asherah together are kind of, that's the combo of them. And the Israelites were having this problem. They were trying to worship Baal and Asherah and the god of their ancestors 
all at the same time, kind of like a cafeteria of, oh, well, let's just take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. God's in charge of rain, but they're in charge of all the fun stuff, and it doesn't really work that way, does it? So Elijah, having been hunted by Jezebel and having been hunted even to extinction, all the other prophets are apparently gone, decide, hears from the Lord after it hasn't rained in many, 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 in a long time. There's been a drought in the land because God had spoken to Elijah and told him, go tell the king Ahab, because, and all the people of Israel, because of your sin, there will be no rain until you turn back to me. So Ahab and Jezebel are hunting Elijah. And God, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah, he says, go to Ahab, and we, need to, and we need to speak to the people of Israel. I am going to show myself to them. Here's what we need to do. And so Elijah goes, are you sure? And he goes, yes, that's what we're doing. So Elijah goes and talks to Ahab. And after he speaks to them, he, this is the, the kind of the arrangement that he makes. He says, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Can you do the math? That's 850 to 1. I don't know how you are with math, but those odds aren't good. I mean, they're not zero, but... Okay? Any team you pick in any sport ever, if, if you had to pick between the 850 and the 1... Unless the one Superman, you're going with these guys. So Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Interesting at this moment that they didn't say anything. Had they not made their mind up? Are they still kind of, well, I wonder if they weren't sure even at that point. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bowls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, and, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. So fi make fire win. Right? That's, that's the, whoever's God makes the fire wins. Then all the people said, well, what you say is good, like a fair deal. Well, of course, there's 850 on this side and one on this side. That's fair? That's a good deal? Elijah's not worried. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first since there are so many of you. I'm sure it's going to take quite a while. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. This is my favorite part. And noon Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he says. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be wakened. In some translations, it says, maybe he is indisposed. Thinking that maybe their God had too much Taco Bell the night before and just couldn't answer at that point, right? Literally, it says that. It's, it's not me. I'm not making it up. He says that. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. That's a bummer of a way to get your God's attention. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. 
No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. Then he said to them, then he, they came to him and he prepared the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Take a minute. He repairs this place that had been torn down. He didn't pick this place by accident. This was a historically holy site for them. This was an altar that had been built many, many years before to commemorate the calling of God on their ancestor, Jacob. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold about three gallons. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. So they do it. Do it again. And they did it again. Do it a third time. Did it again. And they did the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. And you know the, the prophets are like, that's not the deal, Elijah. It's not water, it's fire. Did you get the instructions wrong? Like, no, it's not who answers with water, it's fire. This guy with the, you're never gonna get it to light on anything. It's pouring water. What an idiot. Elijah's like, I got the, you did what you do, I'll do what I do. Go get a band-aid for all the things that you did. It's fine. At the time of the sacrifice. The prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, very simply, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and I have done th these things at your command. Can you imagine being there when this happened? Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and, cry, and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah's like, that's right. That's what's up. Can you feel it? Like, can you smell the burn? Right? I mean, just, he's, you know he's just losing his mind. Like, that's, yeah. Just whenever you want to scream so loud. Have you ever seen a team win something and people are just jumping up and down who don't know each other and start hugging each other and like everyone's immediately like friends and they're all so excited they're like yeah don't know your name i'm so excited just like losing their mind this has got to be like adrenaline overload right top of the mountain this is mountain top experience god showed up this is it check it out this is ugh. <sighs> sweating just thinking about it Super, like, I mean, endorphins just coursing through his body. But can I tell you, the mountaintop is not the most important thing. It feels really good. It feels really good. But the mountaintop is not the most important thing. The most important thing is the truth that is revealed in, through the climb. The truth that is revealed through the climb. Because just being there isn't the thing. It is how you got there, right? Just showing up isn't where the joy comes from. Now, it is a powerful moment, the mountaintop. And the reason the mountaintop is a powerful moment, because of the way we climb. I'm, I'm saying that you experience the climb, that you look around and see all the beauty along the way, that you're not just putting your pack on, looking at the ground, and going. Now, Rhonda and I have climbed several mountains. 
And there are beautiful things along the way. In fact, somewhere in Colorado, there is on this mountain trail a tree that still holds our initials on it that I carved into it, right? And if I ever go up that trail again, I will be looking the whole time for that. But if you just look at the ground, you can get disoriented. And have you ever been behind someone who was lost but just kept going? Have you ever been on a trail and just kind of went into autopilot and didn't know where you were going? Where you were going? Do you know what a trail tree is? Anybody know? Trail trees are trees that are marked that way by in native people, either uh, Native Americans or indigenous people, to mark the way of the trail, to communicate to people. Now, there are a lot of trees that grow this way, but there's very specific things they do to mark the way you should go. They either say this way is safe, don't go that way because there's bears, watch out for the waterfall. Each way it's bent, it tells you this is the way. Now, the tree doesn't start like this. It starts very young. So the trail trees, over time, become more and more prominent based on the number of people that go, based on how much the thing grows. But if you're just looking at the ground and all you see is a tree, you may not see the signs. Each path for each of us winds differently up the mountain. This is a caution to not just follow the path that maybe everyone you know has taken. Maybe God has a different path for you. Maybe the way that you think God's going to answer prayer isn't the way he actually answers. Have you ever just been so sure, been praying a direction, God, this is the way we're going to go, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to do, and God answers prayer, and you're like, that's the wrong way, God. Let's try again. This is what I need. Maybe I wasn't as specific. This is where we're going, and go. And God goes, yeah, we're going this way. No, good thought. Let's regroup. Let's have a meeting about it and talk specifics. This way. And God's like, that's not your way. This is, God, I'm just going to go this way and see what happens. And God goes, okay, let's see how that goes. And eventually we find that that wasn't our path in the first place. It's not about just getting there. It's about going the ways that God has called you. It's not just about doing devotions and spending time in church and, and singing songs and praying. It is about taking the time when you do those things to hear what God is speaking. If you've ever been on a trail, there is an, so, much, so many things you can experience from birds to trees to a, a whole bunch of stuff. I'll never forget walking along a trail and seeing a kid with, this was back when they had Walkman. So those of you who don't know, there is a cassette, you don't know a cassette, there's music in a thing. This guy was listening to music through things on his ears. And it was so loud that we could hear it on the outside. And he was like, he had his hat, his sunglasses, his really cool boots, his socks pulled up to like here, and his sh but then shorts were only like this much skin showing. I don't know why. And he had his pack on, and we could hear the music outside, and he was like going, like, hey, bud. And he just kind of keeps going right past us. Hey, where are you going? He just keeps going. Hey, are, that's not the right way, and just keeps going. Now, we followed up the mountain, and we never saw him again. So I don't know if he got eaten by a bear, but if he did, he would have never seen it coming. You know why? Because he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't experiencing the climb. He was just so determined to put one foot in front of the other that he wasn't taking in what was happening around him. As you are walking through whatever it is you're walking through, be present in that moment. Don't try and fast forward through the things that you are walking through now. Because it's not just climbing, it's the way we climb. 
your path may not be the same as others. It may be a different path for you. Just because everyone has gone this way doesn't mean that God has that plan for you. Look for the path that God has for you because the truth is revealed through the climb. Because when you get to the mountain, having gone the way God had for you, you, it will all make sense when you get there. Another thing that makes the mountaintop moment is the obstacles we have overcome. Now, climbing a mountain, if you've ever done it, there is no telling what will happen. It, it could rain halfway down. It could, it could, there could be, you know, bears that literally come along the way. There could be mountain lions. There could be, you know, cockroaches that you didn't expect that are bigger than kind of what you thought a cockroach should be. And they fly off the thing. And you're like, you know what? I'm not going on this mountain anymore. You never know what obstacles may turn you back. Trees across the trail, rocks in the way. There are any number of things that along the way could stop you. But can I tell you that the obstacles are the climb? They are the climb. Elijah says to the people, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. That's why the victory is so cool, because it's just the one guy. Imagine if he said, well, I'm just one guy. There's no way I could forget it. I'm not doing that. I want to tell you very specifically that there is no obstacle on the climb that God has planned for you that he can not overcome. And I don't mean you can overcome. It's not about your strength, your ability to navigate the obstacles that come with you. Your strength has nothing to do with it because you were never intended to overcome that obstacle. God will overcome that obstacle. That's his job. Our problem is we try and pick up the tree up and move it out of the way. We try and fight the bear. We try and wrestle the cockroach. I don't know, whatever it is you want to do, we try to handle it ourselves. And God says, I got this. Just go that way. But there's obstacles there. And God goes, I know. I see those 450. I see the, and fill in the blank for whatever obstacle you're facing. He sees it. He knows. And you may think there's no way around this. There's no way through this. God, I, there's, this is the end. This is impossible. And God says, I know that it's impossible for you. You are never supposed to navigate that obstacle. I got this. Just let me guide you through. The obstacles are the climb. And isn't it when you get up there, having gone through all those things, that makes it sweet? Imagine if as you got dropped by helicopter on top of all these mountaintops. That's no fun. That's cheating. Right? You have like a whole bunch of flags. You're like, oh, helicopter. Mountaintop. Picture. Yay. Climb the mountain. No, you didn't. Right? Hold on. Let's go to the next one. Mountaintop. Okay, you're on the mountaintop, but it doesn't mean anything. Because... You didn't experience the obstacles on the way there. And make sure that you don't think that it's a smooth ride up to the top. Rhonda and I have been to the top of Pikes Peak. I rented um, one of the, uh, I rented a, a convertible Mustang. It was bright red. It was on her birthday while we were dating in Colorado. And that's right. Some of you guys are like, nice. That's right. And we put the top down, this was in July, and we're cruising up Pikes Peak, back to the switchbacks, and halfway up, no kidding, it starts snowing in the middle of July, onto like the tops down, we're just like, oh, this is beautiful. I'm like, God, you are good. So good. And we got, got to the top, and we're like walking around, it's snowing, like, this is amazing, it's beautiful. And then we get in the car, we walk right down, didn't sweat one drop. And there are people who climb Pikes Peak every day. We just drove up, no problem. That's not the climb. Be very careful that you don't try and find the easy way up. 
because all the things that you experience along the way prepare you for that mountain. In fact, the songs we practice, the songs we sing on the way up the mountain, they are the songs that mean the most when we get there. So singing songs of victory that God's going to be there, God will be faithful, God is going to come through, it means more when we can stand on the top of the mountain and sing, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Because on the way up, it didn't feel that way. But right here you get how faithful, how good, how amazing he's been all the way up the climb. And at the top, we can experience that joy. The climb is re reveals the truth all along the way. And then the people climbing with us, that's really important. Be sure that you don't leave people behind because you're in such a hurry to get there. People who may struggle in their spiritual walk. Rhonda tried to climb a mountain with torn ligaments in her leg. She didn't know. By the way, she got a mile and change in and said, hey, this hurts a lot. And I'm like, okay, well, do you need to turn back? Yeah, and she did. She didn't even know there were torn ligaments in her ankles. That's, she's tough, friend. You didn't know. Try it sometime. Tear some ligaments and go up a mountain. But we, instead of saying, well, she's slow and like leaving her behind to be, you know, eaten by mountain lions or whatever, we stayed with her along the way because she needed someone to be there with her. She wasn't as fast as the rest of us because of whatever. There are people in our lives who may not spiritually be where you're at. That doesn't mean you leave them behind. Bring them with you. Bring them along. Stay with them as they climb at their pace. Don't expect everyone to keep your pace. We climb with people so that when we get to the top, we can celebrate together. Because if you get to the top of a mountain, you're all by yourself, you go, woo. That was, guess I'll wait for everybody to get here. I'll just go down. Or No one experienced it with you, so you don't celebrate together. It says, when Elijah's talking to them, that he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If, but if Baal is God, follow him. They're trying to decide one way or the other. They're watching, right? They're trying to decide. It says that they didn't say anything. The people that are coming with you, some of them are just watching you to see what you will do on the way. They've got their popcorn out. Okay, this guy is going through some stuff. Let's see if this God thing's real. I don't think it's going to, what do you think? 50-50? I don't know. Some people have been entrusted to us to celebrate when we get there because we're going in the same way. Some people have been entrusted to us because they need our help. We need to slow down and bring them along. Some people have been entrusted to us to bear witness to God's glory through the struggle so they can Make up their mind, God is who he says he is. Look what he did in her life. Look what he did in that life. Look what he did. This has to be real. Look at the struggle they went through, and they stayed faithful. People climbing with you are part of the journey. So can I encourage you to share your journey? This is the hard part. Tell people that this is hard. Don't pretend that you're not out of breath. Don't pretend that you're not sweating and that this pack isn't heavy, that the things you're walking through are really, really hard because when they know they're really, really hard and you are still faithful, that is the power of God. It's not that you got it figured out because P.S., in case you didn't know, nobody's got it figured out. We're all climbing. 
So let people in on the places where it's tough so that when you celebrate together, it's that much sweeter. Because the truth will be revealed in the climb. Lastly, the reason the mountaintop moment is so great is the view below and above. If you've ever stopped halfway along a journey and kind of looked back down and looked out at the, the amazing view, it's gorgeous. Like you can just see all the things that have happened before, all the things that, are, that you walked through, all the things that were before you. In fact, in the middle, it's just gratitude, right? You can just say, look, I'm so grateful for how far I've come. In the middle of the challenge, Elijah remembers God, who God has been. He says, he, Elijah, repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With these stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Then it says, he prayed to his, the ancestor of the Lord, the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that all these things that you're commanding, saying that God has been there all on the way. He is who he has been today. That means he has been there. That means he is here in this moment and that he will be there moving forward. Because the view below tells us of gratitude. The view above tells us to keep our focus because you have to be aware of false peaks. You know what a false peak is or a false summit? It's when you look up and you think that there's the peak of the mountain that you're aiming at and you kind of navigate up towards the mountain and you get there and you're like, oh no, there's a whole other mountain to go. This lady in her blog, she said, I got to the top of this false summit and called it a day and took my picture. She got there and was like, yeah, I'm home, man. Because she looked behind her like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. There's not enough day or not enough me in me to do that. And so she took her picture. She settled for this. Because she took her eyes off. She wasn't navigating towards the actual mountain. Make sure that you know where you're headed. That your eyes are focused on Christ, not on anyone else. That your goal is not to be like them to be like this person, that person, that you're not putting all your faith or stock in a, in a person because that is not where God has called you, that your eyes are on Christ. I want to invite you to take a moment and think about over the last year, how has God been there? How has God been faithful? If you are standing wherever it is on your journey and you look back down the mountain, can you see all the places God has come through? Can you remember all the ways that he has shown up? The times you're like, I, can't, I, don't, I don't think he's going to make it. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what God's going to do, and he did. It's important to look down, look back to where you've come, because that gives you hope for what's next. And don't choose the false summit, the plan that's for somebody else but not for you. Because the truth that is revealed in the climb is this. When the people saw this, they fell prostrate and called, cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They found the truth because it showed up right in front of them. Mountaintop moments are powerful because the truth, they reveal the truth discovered through the climb. You get it when you get there. When you get there, you'll get it. And it's okay if you're not there yet. God doesn't call you to be there. God calls you to climb, to continue. Now, wherever it is that you are on the journey, I, I'm going to encourage you. There's a really cool thing that happens on top of mountains. 
if you've ever been to the top, the really cool thing is you can see everywhere, right? It all makes sense. You can see the mountaintop. You can see the, the valleys down. You can see everywhere that you've been. You can see other people's mountaintops. And it's all so clear. In fact, it's really easy to see the way forward, right? Where am I supposed to go next? And you kind of navigate that way because you can see it all from there. The other thing that's really cool that every middle school boy knows is that it's a really cool echo up there too. And you can call out your name and you can hear it for miles, Jeff, 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 Jeff. Well, some are better than others, but you know. When you yell, echo, echo, it echoes all over the canyons. When we sing the songs that we sang all the way up the mountain, at the top of the mountain, the echo, not only from heaven, and from those who've been there before, echoes down the mountain to give hope to those who are still climbing. Hope to those who are facing obstacles that they don't think they can get through. In a moment, we're going to sing. We're going to sing about what he's done. What he's done, all glory and honor to the Son. I want to invite you for a moment just to close your eyes. I want you to, to remember back to a time when you felt hopeless. When you were maybe climbing and facing obstacles and felt alone like there were no people near, that you were doing this by yourself and you weren't sure if God was going to take you through. If that's you, I want you to remember what that felt like. And then the moment that he did bring you through, what that felt like, that you realized what he'd been doing, that you experienced what he could do, that you felt that moment of, God, I get it. I understand you've been faithful. You've been there the whole time. Do you remember that moment, what that felt like? Now back to the present, wherever you are in this moment, whether you are climbing a tough mountain, whether you are all the way at the bottom and you don't even know if you want have, have it in you to start this new one. If you are almost there and you just want one more something from God to get there, wherever you are on the climb, I want you to remember that moment that God showed up. Because there are some around you who need to hear the hope in your voice. Because there are some around you who know how hard the struggle's been, how hard this mountain's been. And to see you sing in a way that says, I know that God is faithful. I know he will be there. That echoes hope all over the mountains to those who need to hear it and all the way up to heaven. We sing these songs to proclaim that God is God. He is God. It is true is true. He is our God. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the app store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. 
And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.